Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear... BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Katrina here. It's October 2022 and today I am joined by Paddy Smith. As a disabled person, you're normally used to the disabled person kind of playing that nice character like you know who probably needs a bit of help and kind of plays a bit of a victim card sometimes on TV where I was the complete opposite you know I was dubbed like the disabled villain of TV Paddy is a Dublin born presenter media commentator and disability activist he is best known for his appearance and victory on Channel 4's The Circle back in 2019 And in the same year, Paddy got his first presenting gig as host of the entertainment fashion show The Fitting Room on RTE2. Since then, Paddy has used his platform to promote disability awareness. And what's his superpower for spreading his message? Humour. As you'll hear, Paddy is one funny, funny guy. So I know Paddy as he was selected to join BBC Studios Talentworks as one of our meta-funded creator-in-residence this year. During this six-month residency, the creators received training and advice from industry professionals here at BBC Studios whilst they develop their own new show ideas. So today with Paddy, we're going to discuss... First of all, how he got started in this space by documenting his life on Snapchat, Kardashian style, of course. Next, the inner workings of reality TV and Paddy's theory on how those spicy storylines get created. And finally, what Paddy learned about TV development during his time here at BBC Studios. Welcome to the Talentworks podcast, Paddy. Thank you for having me, hon. So exciting to have you here. <laughs> first things first, tell us, who are you? What do you do? Oh God, we're diving straight in. Uh, okay, who am I? My name is Paddy Smith. 
I am a disabled social media activist. I have cerebral palsy within my legs and I walk with the aid of crutches. I call them my glam sticks. They currently have butterflies on them. And what I do essentially is showcase my life living with this condition and having a bit of humour with it along the way, like skipping queues, maybe bringing my friends in to skip the queues of clubs and just having fun. You know, because life is for having fun and sometimes we can get way too serious about what we want to achieve in this world and we get way too serious about, like, what people think about us. So I just try to have fun and hopefully people like it. So in every episode, we get our guests to choose three of their most career-defining moments. Yes. What's your first one? So this is a talk I did for an Irish seminar called a seminar. <laughs> I named the talk hashtag my disabled life and it was just literally me talking about my life being a disabled gay man in front of a crowd. Let's have a listen to it. I couldn't understand why no one was so, everyone was so like putting me in this box of like, you can't do that because you have this condition. So I don't know uh, if any of you know James Kavanagh. But um, I'm really good friends with him, and he pushed me onto social media through Snapchat. And he goes, Paddy, like, the, the, the situations you get yourself in are so insane, and you have a story to tell about a disability that uh, Snapchat could be a good avenue for you. So I called it hashtag my disabled life, and it's just kind of a concept of, you know, I skip queues because I can, because I'm disabled. You know, I get people to carry my tea because it's fun, because I'm disabled. I once used my disability to get into a Westlife concert and met them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of shown that kind of fun aspect of it. Like, um, it was at their book signing, I'll tell you, it's like a funny story. So I was at a book signing and I skipped off school, don't skip school, but I did. I made my uh, friend come with me and Mitch off school as well. Once again, don't Mitch off school. But, um, yeah, so we went down and there was like there was book signing in Easton's. We come in and like, you know, I didn't have a ticket for this book signing, but it was like a really rainy day. And I'm like, right, I'm gonna be really disabled. <laughs> and and pretend that uh, and pretend that I just I lost my ticket in the wind. So I'm literally like this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry, but uh it's such a bad weather outside and I'm, I get really nervous and I just lost my ticket in the wind. I don't know what to do. And they're like, oh my God, get inside, get inside, it's fine. Paddy. Oh my God, I can't believe you put that clip up. <laughs> Firstly, Mitchoff, that must be a real Irish slang term. It is, sorry, yeah. It means like, <laughs> I didn't go to school that day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that clip really showed us that you're not a shy public speaker, are you? Do you feel like presenting comes quite naturally to you? I hope so. <laughs> Because uh, that's why I'm here. But I suppose I do come alive in front of the camera. I do feel comfortable in front of the camera. I like to be a vehicle and a platform to tell other people's stories. Because quite frankly, Katrina, I'm sick of my own. Like so many people have heard mine. I'm like, I'm over it. I know I'm disabled and gay, big whoop. But like, I love hearing other people's stories that haven't been heard and really pushing the narrative for minority groups, especially disability, because I feel within the minority spectrum, that gets pushed to the back foot because we don't really understand how to approach disability because it's so vast and so big. When you think about representation for disability, there's really hardly any. 
like parts in films or presenting gigs. And even if there is a part in a film, it's very rare that a disabled person would get that, even if they are disabled. So I love pushing that narrative forward and showcasing that you can do these things even though we are different. Yes, you can. You often lean on humour throughout your work as well. Yes. You're a funny, you're a funny, funny man, Paddy. Well, it's embarrassing to say you are funny yourself, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> when did you realise that humour was an effective way of kind of helping to storytell? I suppose Katrina and I figured out from a young age when I was in secondary school that humour was kind of a defence mechanism for me to mask my own insecurities. So it helped me get through secondary school and, you know, college. And then I realised, you know what, everybody loves to laugh. And sometimes when you're talking about serious subjects or subjects that people don't get a bit icky around because they don't know how to consume them, humour is an amazing way for you to actually take something in without feeling sorry for the person or like feeling like they're a victim because that's not what I want to do here. I want to change the landscape of what we consume as disabled content. Like if I get another undateables, I'm out of here. Like just mean even that name itself. So for me, humour is a nice way of showcasing that like I do things as well and I use my disability to my advantage. And I think it's funny and I think people are shocked by it and I think people it, it changes people's mindset on it and I'm also get get down about it as well there's two sides to the coin why do we always look at one why can't we look at both you mentioned in that talk that a friend encouraged you to start posting content on snapchat yes tell me more about that what sort of content did you start posting in the early days so what I was doing on Snapchat was probably like a Kardashian-esque type reality show where I was the main character. <laughs> and just showcasing my life, the ups and downs, the in-betweens, way that beard that I was crying over a boy or I was having fun because I was in the club with my friends. Anything was not off limits. Did you have any role models whilst you were at the beginning of your career? You know what, people always ask me this and I say, I want to say yes, because I feel like that's the right answer to say, because you should have, but I didn't. And the reason why is because I never really saw anyone like me on screen. There was no one to represent me, there was no one, anyone that I was looking at who was trying to change the landscape of disability was so serious. It was all about politics and like, you know, what's in the government to change our rights. And I didn't like relate to that because it wasn't where I was coming from I wanted to go out and party I wanted to live and go to Thailand like my friends I wanted to you know go on the Rasmus and not feel bad about it because I walk with crutches so all of us have a part to play like we need like not every activist can be like me because we get nothing done do you know what I mean is there anything you'd say to your friend to encourage you to post that first Snapchat thanks hon oh my god now I'm in the BBC <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't be jealous. No, I'm joking. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to your next clip. So the most significant memory of your career so far. Tell me more about it. Well, I don't think I can go past this interview without bringing in The Circle <laughs> on Channel 4. And this moment within The Circle, I think, really resonated with me 
and the audience because I was really vulnerable about how I felt about my condition. And I spoke quite openly about my insecurities around it. Let's have a listen to a really significant moment of when you were on the show. Thank you. I haven't told people yet, but felt I could trust you with this. Oh. Message. May I ask why you feel you want to hide it from the group? It can remain our secret, but I don't want you to feel it's something that you have to keep quiet. It's not that I'm ashamed or, or scared. It's that I wanted to feel what it would be like for once to just be me and not be that disabled guy. Oh, Pat. Only when you have a medical addition do you understand how, it, how different life can be sometimes. <laughs> and no one really knows that. Oh, wow. That was a really special TV moment, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was a really special moment for me. I mean, to get that emotional about my disability. As you said previously, I use humour. That was really where I didn't use humour at all and I was actually being very honest about how even though I love my life and I love who I am that this world isn't built for us and sometimes that can be very different and very hard to overcome because you can live in my world if the world was meant to be accessible but I sometimes can't live in yours you know and I think that's a really powerful moment for me to read like I realised that when I was speaking on the show and that's why I loved I did the show you know had you watched the show before going in oh yeah I'm obsessed with reality (laughs) tv sorry I'm obsessed with tv in general if I could write on my tinder my favourite pastime would be to watch tv but people would be like he's a lazy slot (laughs) during intimate moments like that Tell us a little bit about how you're feeling. Were you aware that there was cameras on you? Did you feel like you were by yourself in that moment? Did you feel like you were surrounded by others? It's a weird thing to go through because you know there's cameras on you, but you get so used to the cameras that you kind of sometimes forget they're there. And your emotions are so heightened in those situations that like it brings out emotions in you because they're it's so directed at maybe like a a trigger in you or you know like Georgina on that show had Crohn's disease so I was speaking to someone that I felt would really understand what it feels like to have a condition that is life-altering you know I don't think I'd ever cry and like that and when I went in it was kind of like light-hearted tongue-in-cheek I'm going to use that. I'm going to have fun. I'll be finally free. Like, I don't have to be disabled. And when I actually was on the show, I realised, like, my disability is such a big part of my identity that, like, when I didn't have it and when I was actually speaking about it, I realised how much it's ingrained in me. Now that you've got a bit of a TV production development hat on, how do you think that being on the show helped you or taught you even how to create entertainment shows? It definitely gave me an insight that production is more involved than you think in reality TV. And I do think that 
although they never told me to do anything and it was very much myself, they do have a part to play in terms of how they can how they can set up situations, you know? Because they're trying to make a fun show as well. You know, like, when I was on the show, one of the productions was like to me, it was the final nine, and she came in, she goes, okay, where do you think you lie in that final nine? And I was like, God, I was like pretty loud, to be honest. I'm hanging on by my fingernails here. And she was like, yeah, because you're a game player. So you need to start playing the game. And I was like, oh, shit. They're going to get rid of me. They think I'm boring. Like, I need to step my ass up. Do you know what I mean? And then I started doing mad shit. I was getting into the circle of trust, which was like, you know, we split the circle in two. I was getting the most popular player out. I was like, we need to get her out. You know, I was calling people out on the app being like, you're fake. But it just shows you that, like, they have done so many tests on me that they probably, I think that they would know that would push my buttons a bit and get me kind of riled up and in the game rather than, like, being like nicey nicey, I was more spicy spicy. <laughs> what a quote! <laughs> <laughs> I guess that probably was what surprised you most then about being yeah. on a reality TV show. It did. That surprised me. Like how different aspects of your personality do come to the forefront, and that you're on there for a reason. They cast you for a reason, and they will make damn sure that that reason comes out in the show. And I appreciate that they have a show to make. And we, as consumers, love a bit of spice. Let's not beat around the bush. You know, we love a bit of jeopardy, a bit of, like, excitement, a bit of, you know, something new keeps people engaged. And I think, as a disabled person, you're normally used to the disabled person playing that nice character, like, you know, who probably needs a bit of help and kind of plays a bit of a victim card sometimes on TV. Where I was the complete opposite. You know, I was dubbed like the disabled villain of TV. Do you know what I mean? So it was hilarious. I wear that with a badge of honour now and I'm like, do you know what? I did it. I did it. Yeah, and I was sassy. Did it change what content you made on your own platforms when you came out? Yeah. It took me a long time to step into me as a person because for a long time I got imposter syndrome after the show. Mm. And I felt like I was a bad person and I felt like I didn't deserve to win and, you know, people hated me and... God, I get emotional thinking about it because I really, I really felt like I was a bad person and I felt like I shouldn't have won, you know, and um, it took me a long time to get okay with who I am as a person and I think that when I saw such hate from, for me, I was like, God, I'm really, I shouldn't have done it, you know, but now I'm so proud I've done it and that's why I gave money to other players who helped me because I was like, I can't, I can't actually... I can't take this money without giving it to them because I didn't win. I w- I shouldn't have won, and I d- and I hate that I felt like that because uh, I got so much love as well, you know. But being a divisive character like that, Jesus, sorry, <laughs> um, being a divisive character like that sometimes has its tolls on you. Do we need a little cuddle break? No, God, don't, no, don't worry. <laughs> um, any excuse, thank you. any excuse. <laughs> Paddy, you were such a deserving winner of that. It kills me that you think that you weren't. You won that fair and square for being nothing other than who you actually are. And you should be really proud of yourself. And I know your Irish roots won't let you do that. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. It was, um, yeah, a really special TV moment, that's for sure. And just a really special personal moment for you too. 
Thank you. Well, you, you brought me to tears again. <laughs> <laughs> you do, this is the first time Katrina does this. Look, you're natural. You're natural. So this is your third clip and the one that best represents you and your successes at the moment. Yeah. And what brought us together. Yes. Mike to Paddy, tell us about it. What's your third moment? My third moment, Katrina. I feel like I'm doing like stars in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'd love I'm gonna that. Be, um, could you imagine if I didn't actually put the BBC residency in here while I'm on the Talent Worth podcast? I mean, honestly, my third and final clip is the BBC residency where it was announced that I got it. Hi, I'm Paddy. I'm at the BBC Television Centre, and this is my creator in residence story. I'm very myself with my content. I show you all parts of my life. I'm not one of those creators that just show you the good times, I show you the bad times as well. Um, and I think that is very, it resonates with a lot of people. I make people laugh and I show people a different narrative than what they would normally be used to, especially as a disabled person, that we're not just worthy victims, that we can be fun, live life, go out and drink, go out and party, but also show you that we do have a different type of life, but that's okay. Nothing but joy listening to that. Oh, thank you. Nothing but joy. Okay, so you work in a team called Digital Originals that is in BBC Studios. Tell everyone what a normal day in the life of a creator and resident at BBC Studios looks like. Well... Mine's a bit different because I do work from home a lot because I am based in good Ireland. But what I would do a lot of the times is it would go from top lines. So top lines is thinking of a concept, may not be reality, it will be unscripted because that's where I'm working at the minute. And then I would think about the treatment, how every scene of the reality TV show or the TV show that you're creating is actually going to go because I didn't realise how much goes into that. You have to create such a picture for the commissioner and then from that you create a deck and you build it out and you make it more pizzazzy. And then, you know, just to understand everything that goes into a commission is, you know, amazing. So a lot of the times I am just kind of spitballing ideas and sending them over to my mentor in BBC Studios and then we'd have meetings uh, you know at the minute I'm working with something from MTV to try to get something in there that's short form what I've realised even if I don't make it as a presenter which I hope I do even just to create a show that's my own would be an amazing achievement and I think that what this residency does give you is it shows you an honest and real view of what it takes to actually work in this industry. And it also opens your eyes to that almost every idea has been thought of, but it's how you spin it. Like, how can you spin it to make the commissioner and people excited? Because everyone's thought of every idea, let me tell you. When I first came in here, I was like, well, this, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, they haven't thought about this. Everyone's thought about it. You know, but what's the, what's the, you have to think of one weird or quirky thing that makes that idea stand out. And if I could give anyone that advice is don't come in here thinking that you have an idea that no one's thought of. It won't be the case. And you'll probably have about 50 ideas that people won't like. But all you'll need is one. So other than having one little tweak on an idea, what other things do you think makes a killer idea? 
I think that if you work from your own experience, because your life is unique and individual to itself. So if you work on your own ideas and your own experience, like one idea that I'm working on at the minute, it's called gayability. And it's the intersection of being gay and disabled in the 21st century. And who else can tell that story better than me? <laughs> Have you seen disabled drag queens in big gay clubs? Not really. Have you ever seen an accessible gay float in gay pride? No. Because disabled people within the gay community are quite hidden. And you would think that being a minority within a minority, they'd be more open and accepting. But we don't fit that ideal of that sexy gay man with the six-pack. And I think it's really interesting to explore that side and that narrative because it's never been done before. Has um, working in Digital Originals changed how you think about the creation of your own content? Um, I don't think it's to change how I think I create my own content. I think it's elevated how I create my own content because I have a lot more experience in the editing side of content. And I would have a bit more eye on detail now than I wouldn't before. Because a lot of my content before is probably a bit more raw. And I wouldn't, where I think working in this environment makes you look at those little finer details and tweak them. So I'd be a bit more, yeah, my eye would be on the ball within that sense. What are your three secrets to success? Determination. I would say determination. I would say resilience. And I'd say to never give up because I have gotten no so many times and it's not the most talented people that always make it. It's the people that just keep going. And I think that's the real key is that like when you get knockbacks and when you keep getting no, you just keep knocking on that door because someday that door will open. It may be a crack. It may be something will happen. And I think it's the people that stand and do that perseverance. You're an inspiring man, Paddy. Our last segment together, Paddy. Okay. We're going to ask you to look into the Talentworks future crystal ball. Okay. It can be anything. It can be little, it can be large. Where do you see yourself in the future? I definitely see myself still within this industry. With what capacity, I don't know. I definitely think I will get a show on the air. And I definitely think that this isn't the last you see of me. I've learned within this business never to really be too direct with what you think is going to happen. <laughs> because then if it doesn't, you've kind of shot yourself in the foot. So I'm going to give you an overview. I think I am in the media industry. I think I will work with you guys again. But in what capacity, I don't know. Well, it goes back to that openness, doesn't it? Yeah. You've spoken about. And I think that's a huge learning for anyone. Being open to trying new things and doing different things. Yeah. And, and I'm excited. All yeah. I can say is I'm excited for the future. And I'll leave you want more. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're interested in getting to know more about Paddy, you can find him on Instagram at Paddy Smith. That's Smith with a Y. You can find us at BBC Studios Talentworks. This has been a Carly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 